The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by Three Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI powered and UX focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out Three Advance. They're incredible. Go to threeadvance.com. That's the number three advance.com. Empire. Football meets Hollywood. You know, they're all in their you know early 20s. They're all gamers. They all kind of grew up with video gaming and social media. And so we think uh, what this league is going to provide is is that platform that they're used to uh, to really kind of show themselves. You know, build their their social profile and social credibility and and their brand. And, and we think we can give them an opportunity to really kind of connect with fans in a way that uh, that hasn't been done before. That's Sir Rob Faruti, CEO of the fan-controlled football league. You want to take over the play calling? You can. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. So Rob Faruti's idea isn't exclusive, but how they are building the fan-controlled football league is, turning the field into a set and the players into all-access reality stars, at the same time giving you the means to control the action, it is Thanksgiving conversation worthy. Plus, we'll look into the idea of how the old-school footballers are dealing with the new-school gambling legalities and whether integrity fees are viable. But first, the future is now. All of the old school brands, they are getting into the new school tech as they try to reach far and wide for the fans of the future. That includes the Pittsburgh Steelers, one of the oldest franchises in the National Football League. And Bill Brink from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette joins us now. Hey, Bill, how are you? I'm doing great, Bram. How are you? Uh, What are they using tech for and how are they trying to reach people differently now? Well, they're trying to enhance the game day experience of the fans they already have because they pretty much have the Pittsburgh market saturated. There's not too many people in Pittsburgh who are football fans that they haven't already converted into diehard black and gold uh, type of people. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to make the stadium more tenable, I guess, than the couch, right? They're trying to make it easier to find concessions and bathrooms and park and get into the stadium and not have your ticket counterfeited. They have some new ticketing technology with rotating barcodes. Uh, The other thing they're trying to do is they're trying to use the internet and social media to increase fan bases overseas, uh, specifically Mexico, which already has a big Steelers fan base because of uh, an exhibition game in the early 90s. And also when football reached Mexican television, the Steel Curtain dynasty of the 70s was uh, at full steam. They're also trying to reach fans via social media in Brazil, in China. And for some reason, the Steelers have a big following in Germany. So they're branching out there to trying to Uh, cultivate fans around the world because that means more interest more interest obviously means more revenue more um, league pass and jersey sales and all that type of thing Um, let's get into germany for a moment because you chuckled when you said that Um, what is why have they made headway in that country have you have you gotten to the bottom of that i think it's a little bit similar to brazil in that it's a country of sports fans uh a lot of soccer fans in germany they're passionate about sport and competition the same way brazilians are and until, you know, I know that the NFL Europe has been around for a while, but they haven't quite had the access to the actual NFL product that they do now with, you know, NFL League Pass and, and uh, 
more you know satellite opportunities where you can actually see the games. And so I think that's been a big part of it is just they're 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 not seeing the watered down version of the product. They're seeing the product itself, and you combine the thrill of an NFL football game with a bunch of people that love sports, and I think it's a good match. Uh, let's talk about China here for a moment as well. How are they going about trying to cultivate NFL fans there? What they're doing is they're using a social media platform called Weibo, which is uh, one of the more popular social media platforms in China. And they actually are being assisted by NFL China. They recently, uh, I believe this started last year, they found a student at Carnegie Mellon here in Pittsburgh who spoke Chinese, and they were able to film some original content. Previously, they'd been sending over highlight packages and that type of things and, and pictures and graphics, but they were actually able to film some original content send it over, and then with a little help from NFL China, distribute it on Weibo. And now what they're actually doing is they're holding contests so that people will interact with them on social media with the chance to win tickets and an uh, all-expenses-paid trip to a game in Heinz Field. Um, they're such an interesting franchise to talk about this with. They're still family-owned. They've been around forever. Their brand seems to be very stable in the way that they present themselves, the way that they build their team. All of these things have remained very stable um, through the years. Um, did they have a hard time coming around to embracing all of this technology and, and putting their brand out there in a different way? It doesn't sound like they did. It sounds like this was kind of the natural evolution or next step. Uh, I, in my reporting, I didn't come across any major aha moments or you know anybody that joined the organization that said, man, we got to ramp this up. It was sort of this was the next step uh, to go about doing. And I think, I think you make a good point that it helps that they are the Steelers. I mean, there's probably a couple teams where this could work for, right? Maybe, maybe the Cowboys, maybe the Patriots, maybe the Giants, uh, you know, Yankees, Red Sox, Dodgers, and baseball. There are teams that are known internationally more so than others, and I think you might have a little more trouble if you were, say, the Kansas City Chiefs pulling this off. But I think the fact that they are the Steelers, they have the brand, uh, Roethlisberger has been here for as long as he has. They have some established star power that I think this was kind of a, a good a good next step for them as they try to, to expand their fan base. You could read more from Bill Brink in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Thank you so much, Bill. Thanks for having me. Up next, Sarab Faroudi on what the future of football in real-life video game form can look like. This is the Future Sport Podcast. Our guest this week is Sarab Faroudi, who is the CEO of the Fan-Controlled Football League. No explanation needed for that. Thanks for joining us, Sarab. Thanks for having me. Uh, what is it that you guys actually do? Well, we're building, uh, I think the easy way to explain it is a real-life version of Madden. This is an entire league uh, kind of reinvented for the digital age. Uh, we're really building the league uh, for the fan that isn't in the arena or the stadium and is uh, participating uh, at home or on the road from their you know, computer or, or mobile device. With real players? Real players, yeah. It's seven-on-seven, seven, indoor football, um, helmets, shoulder pads, you know, guys uh, right out of college, you know, going to be really good talent on the field. Um, but fans get to call all the plays in real time. Uh, they get to also hire the coaches, pick the players for the team. It's really like a a season-long version of, uh, of Madden uh, in franchise mode, and uh, we'll have eight, eight teams in the league, and fans get to kind of make all the decisions along the way with, uh, for, for these eight teams. So there's eight teams, 
is there a literal virtual franchise owner or is it kind of group think you get together and kind of determine how the teams are going to play? Yeah, look, we wanted to kind of take a fresh at, at the way leagues are built. And so we went with the influencer model. So our, our entire league uh, is, is in one location. Everything's going to be in Vegas. Uh, instead of playing in an arena, we play in a production studio. Um, which gives us an opportunity to build out a, a set, you know, more like an American Ninja Warriors or a, or a BattleBot style visual. Um, and then, you know, by having everybody in one location, you reduce a bunch of the costs associated with running, running a league. But, you know, what you lose is the city-based, you know, kind of regional idea of teams. And so, you know, being in the, the day of the influencer, we decided that we'd have all of the teams uh, really run by influencers. So we have uh, eight, uh, you know, big influencers that are going to be running our teams. Uh, we've announced six of them so far. You know, a couple of big NFL guys, Marshawn Lynch, Richard Sherman, Chad Johnson, um, a big Latin pop star, a guy by the name of Prince Royce, um, a group out of the uh, esports and gaming uh, community called Kind of Funny, um, a, big, uh, a big country music guy, Bobby Bones. So really looking, you know, we kind of wanted to go out and find influencers in a bunch of different genres uh, that could really activate a fan base and, and bring that first wave of fans into the league um, to, you know, brand the team and, uh, and then pick the players and, and run a full season as, uh, as if they were the, you know, offensive coordinator and GM. Uh, will the fans know the names of the players? How recognizable will the players be to them? Yeah, we think, yeah, we're going to get guys out of college, you know, people that, uh, that you see playing on Saturdays. Um, you know, this is a, we're running a startup and we want to make sure we're around a long time. So uh, we're not going to be, you know, paying millions of dollars to, to bring guys into the league. But I think there's a, you know, there's a quality group of football players every year that graduates from college and there's really nowhere for them to go other than, you know, a couple hundred spots in the NFL. So um, we, we think it's a great pool of talent to, to be able to pull from and, if you think about the guys coming out of college these days, you know, they're all in their you know, early 20s. They're all gamers. They all kind of grew up with video gaming and social media. And so we think uh, what this league is going to provide is, is that platform that they're used to uh, to really kind of show themselves, you know, build their, their social profile and social credibility and, and their brand. And, and we think we can give them an opportunity to really kind of connect with fans in a way that, uh, that hasn't been done before. You're going to have them on a set. Are, are you planning to have live fans there? We are. There's going to be uh, a really intimate kind of television studio audience, about a thousand people. There'll be a nice VIP section uh, for our, you know, our celebrities uh, and, and influencers that are going to come to the games live. Um, and the idea is really, you know, putting fans on top of the game. But we wanted that real intimate feel and make it some somewhat exclusive. So as a fan, when you get a chance, you know, you win a ticket or you earn it or. Um, you know, you're able to. We're not. We're not going to sell them. The idea is you're going to. You're going to. You're going to figure out a way to kind of earn them or win them uh, as a fan, and then it'll be a really, really exciting experience to be able to come to one of the games. Um, you said you could pick players. You could fire coaches. I, I assume though, you want to have some kind of control so that people don't just willy nilly do things like that, right? Yeah, we do. And so one of the so and and by the way, this is a this is something we put into practice. So we actually owned a team back in 2017 in the Indoor Football League. Uh, at that time, the Indoor Football League was 10 teams. We bought a, a brand new franchise in Utah or yeah, in Utah, um, and we let fans make every decision. So you know, we we had a we played a 16 game season. Fans 
named the team, they designed the logo, they hired the coach, uh, they chose all the players, and then they called all the plays in real time uh, from a mobile app. So we, we, we had a good sense of how this would, would play out. Um, but one of the things that we created back then and we're con- going to continue moving forward, we call it our virtual front office. Uh, it is a, it's a paid kind of subscription membership uh, for fans. But what it does is it creates a group of fans that are the diehards that are putting, you know, hours a day into the team. You know, a lot of these are kind of diehard fantasy football people, which probably a lot of people listening are as well. Um, and we all know how much time we spend on fantasy. So this is the opportunity to kind of spend that time that you normally spend on fantasy on actually a real team. Uh, we, you know, we have two, uh, twice a week two-way video session so the fan these uh our front office fans are talking to our coaching staff and our front office staff and uh even with the players so really learning the intricacies of 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 the game the sport you know how to manage it um and then those are the that's the group of fans that will bring some of these decisions out to the general fan base so it'll first be kind of curated in this smaller group um, and obviously get some kind of professional guidance from uh, the people that are running, uh, running the leagues. But at the end of the day, this is a, this is a league run by the fans, and, and we're going to let their voice be heard. Um, you know, we had a, uh, our first team name in that uh, team in the Indoor Football League. Uh, we were very close to being named Teamy McTeamface. Um, I was, I was uh, interviewed all over the place, and people just couldn't believe it. Like, are you really going to let this team be named Teamy McTeamface? I said, look. This is about the fans. This is if they want it to be Teamy McTeamface and they want to wear, you know, Teamy McTeamface jerseys and buy the hats. I mean, that's that's for them to decide. And I, and I think that's what's really exciting about what we're building is, you know, we're going to end up with eight very interesting brands. Uh, we're going to have some bumps along the way. You know, whenever you uh, kind of turn this over, you know, you, you'll, we'll get trolled, and we know that. Um, and we've built some controls in place to to prevent, you know, kind of the craziness. Um, but we want the excitement, right? We want we want that uh, that unknown. I think that's uh, that's you know the drama in sport in live sports is is why we all tune in, and I think we're creating that a uh, little bit of that drama outside of it in, in the franchise itself for fans to be able to participate in. TB McTeamface and and Bodie McBoatface are the modern <laughs> version of the bad tattoo. Really, that that's that's what they are. Exactly. That's what this, exactly. it's the it's the ultimate regret. It's funny for ten minutes, and then about an hour later, you go, "How do we change this?" But I guess if the fans are in control, they could change the name anytime they wanted. That's right. Well, yeah, we and we were. By the way, we were almost the Storm and Mormons as well. Which would also <laughs> been pretty great in Utah. So. <laughs> that's not bad, actually. <laughs> that one might have a little more lasting power. Um, okay, so so go back to the thing in Utah in a moment here. What did you learn about the fans doing this that they inherently were pretty good at when, when putting all these pieces together? And, and what were the parts that you learned from this that you kind of know the fans need a little help and guidance in the right direction? Yeah, look, I think we, we, we learned pretty quickly that if you give fans an opportunity that they actually make good decisions, right? That, there's that whole idea of the wisdom of the crowd, and, and, uh, and we saw it in action. So. You know, back to that, uh, the team name vote, because I think it's the, the easiest one to kind of look at. You know, our, our original voting process, you didn't have to register. So anybody around the globe could literally come in and upvote for a top, we were creating a top 10 list out of fan submissions, and that top 10 list was built based on upvotes from the fan base. 
Um, and you didn't have to be a registered user to do it. So, you know, our top ten list had, you know, Team McTeam Base was number one, the Storm and Mormons, the Electric Emus, the Salt Lake Spaghetti Monsters. I mean, it was just, you know, a crazy list of names. And then there were a couple in there, including what we ended up being was the Salt Lake Screaming Eagles, you know, that were in that top ten. So after we had our top ten, we said, okay, now we're locking down this list, and if you want to vote for the final name, You've got to register and you've got to download the app. So we put a couple of hurdles in place to really kind of weed the, the trolls out and put true fans in, in the position to make the decision. And the true fans voted for the Salt Lake Screaming Eagles, right? They didn't want to be Team McTeam Face. They were taking this seriously. Uh, and we saw that over and over again, our, our coaching votes, our, you know, the players that they decided they wanted, our, our play calling, you know, out of 10 teams, we had the third ranked offense in the league run by our fans. Um, and it wasn't even close. I mean, the top three versus the bottom seven. I mean, you know, the the two, the, the number one, number two offenses played in the championship game. So, I mean, we, we, we showed kind of again and again, give the fans an opportunity and they won't let you down. Um, and that's what we're basing this on is, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you have pride as a fan, right? I mean, I was born in Texas. I'm a huge Cowboys fan. If I had the decision to make, you know, if I had the power to make some decisions or vote on things, there's no way I'm, 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 I'm voting on something that's bad. I want the, the Cowboys to win the Super Bowl every year. And I think what we want to try to build is that culture where the fans really care about the outcome um, and they're vested in that outcome. And, and I think when you do that, you, you get good decision-making. Um, let's talk about the tech of the in-game experience here. So they're calling the plays, which means it needs to be communicated very quickly there. Can you kind of take us through how that all is going to work? Yeah, so we, we actually announced uh, a deal with Twitch. Um, so we're going to be building this entire experience into the Twitch uh, platform. So if, if you're not familiar, you know, Twitch owned, owned by Amazon. It's kind of one of the top uh, eSports and, and gaming platforms out there. Um, it's become a really interesting live sports platform as well. Thursday Night Football was on Twitch uh, this past season. Uh, NBA G League uh, is on Twitch. So um, it's an interesting uh, platform where, you know, kind of builds communities around these streams. Um, and they, they launched something uh, last year, uh, which they call their extensions, which allows an interactive panel on top of the video player. So you can watch, watch whatever that, you know, that stream is, and then you can interact uh, with this overlay uh, at the same time. And so that's where we're building this experience is kind of this, you know, this one single screen experience where you'll be able to watch the game and call the plays uh, in real time. Um, obviously, there's, there's latency involved uh, going through the Twitch platform. And, you know, the good news is, you know, we're building this league. Um, so we're going to create uh, the, um, you know, the stoppages and the, uh, the things that we need uh, in, the, in the run of the, of the game um, to make sure that we account for those, uh, that, uh, that latency. And, you know, latency is going to be a thing of the past in the next couple of years. 5G is going to be here before we know it. Um, you know, latency gets better every year. And, um, you know, be- before you know it, we won't have to deal with latency. But in the meantime, somewhat suboptimal that we've got, a, you know, five, six, eight seconds of, of delay. Um, but we're, we're building that into the back-end process, so uh, it won't affect the fan experience. Uh, I want to go back to the idea of the, the regionality, which has always been part of the sports discussion, and you're a big Cowboys fan, grew up in Texas, right? So you, you grew up with yep. the Dallas yep. Cowboys, and they're not just the Cowboys, although um, they always painted themselves as America's team for a long time, and that used that to their advantage. Um, we've talked to a lot of different people because of the globalization of sports and the connectivity of all the fans around the world. 
that maybe it's not the Golden State Warriors anymore. It's just the Warriors. And there are leagues like yours here that's coming out and not specifically saying this team is from Sacramento. Um, the Big Three doesn't regionalize their teams. Yep. Paul Rabel's new yep. league in lacrosse is not regionalizing anybody. They're just they're touring around yep. with a bunch of different teams. Uh, do you see this kind of as a wave of sports in the future where it doesn't really matter as much to have the name of the city or the state or the country attached to it? Yeah, I, I really do. And to be honest with you, I actually think at, at this point in time, given you know the direction fans are headed, the, the younger demos are – not going to games. It's harder to get people to, to get to stadiums and arenas. Um, you know, the problem, you know, I'll bring up the AAF as, as a prime example. When you limit yourself to eight markets, you exclude the rest of the world. And that's, to me, that's really the problem, right? So you've now, you know, kind of taken this, what they wanted, you know, the AAF wanted to be kind of this next football league. And honestly, I think the XFL is going to suffer from a, from a similar fate, which is, You've bet on eight markets, and you've bet on butts in seats and hot dogs and beer in those eight markets, right? And outside of that, where's your fandom coming from, right? Now, everybody likes good football, and sure, if it's, it's quality football and it's on, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll tune in. But you're not going to create those diehard, rabid fans. I'm, I'm in L.A. I'm not going to follow, you know, one of these. One, I didn't follow the AAF, and I'm not going to follow uh, the XFL, uh, because I just don't have that connection. Now, if there was another way for me to connect or another reason for me to connect, um, which, you know, we think the influencer model is the right way, um, I, I think that just opens up your opportunity for this kind of global connected fan, which uh, which is where we are right now. And, you know, we, we looked at not only that, we looked at really everything about our league. I mean, it, we, we thought about how can we reinvent the sport of football for the digital age, and that's what we've done. Our, our games are one hour from start to finish. You know, we completely eliminated the kicking game. Um, we've got our extra point is a one-on-one battle between a wide receiver and a defensive back. Quarterback has three seconds to throw the ball. So you create this, you know, this additional play that's dr- all the drama. You know, the, the, the game could end on this extra point. And instead of it coming from a kicker who nobody cares about, who's been sitting on the bench the whole game, you get an offense, you know, the quarterback is the number one guy on the team usually, and then a wide receiver and a DB jawing at each other back and forth going to win the game, which is what everybody wants to see. So, you know, we, we, we thought about a lot of ways that we could improve the game um, and create a, an experience where the digital fan can, you know, watch from anywhere and actually have an impact on the game and feel connected in a way that they haven't before. Um, and, 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 you know, lean into that gaming environment, which is the, the largest growing sport in the world is esports, right? And uh, the fastest growing and, and the younger demos are all going into gaming. Uh, we felt like there was a real interesting opportunity in between traditional sports and gaming to carve out uh, a niche that was based on traditional sports, right? And, and, and that's where, you know, we're not just looking at football. We think there's an opportunity to do this across other sports as well, and, and we're having those conversations. Um, you're in this controlled environment. Um, you've talked here about some of the rule type of changes that, that your fans will get accustomed to as they actually play on the field. In terms of presentation, because we're talking a lot here about the digital experience, how yeah. do you envision the presentation for the fans who will be watching this? 
So I think it's a look. The, the, we have a guy. Well, so we, we've got a partnership. We've also announced with with IMG. So IMG is going to be doing our our live game uh, production. Um, but we brought in a guy with really interesting experience. A guy named Ariel Horn started his, his career at NBC Sports, and you know did traditional you know arena football, Sunday night football, the Olympics, and really kind of cut his teeth over there. But spent the last seven years uh, at uh, at um, uh, League of Legends. Um, at Riot Games and built out his, uh, he, he, when he left the company last year, uh, he was the global head of esports content. He won an Emmy for this AR dragon that he had come fly through uh, the bird's nest in, in China for their, for their world finals. Um, and really, he's the one that kind of brought the lens on how you bring a traditional kind of sports shooting to esports. And, and one of the things that he did that hadn't really been done before was he, he started putting cameras on the players themselves, right? Before, everybody was just watching the video game. And he's like, no, this is really about the players. And that's, you know, so he started bringing them more into the fold and started, you know, the storytelling around the actual guys playing the video game rather than just the video game. And that's when that whole ecosystem really started to develop. So, you know, what we're doing is going to come a lot from Ariel's experience on both kind of traditional and esports and you know, we want to bring a different lens to it. Um, you know, we're going to have a lot of overhead shots. You know, when, when, even in, in Utah in 2017, a lot of our, our stuff was done, done from drone cameras. We had a, two drones flying around the field most of the time, uh, giving some really interesting kind of Madden-like shots uh, of the game. You know, helmet cameras, all, all of those things that you, don't, you, you expect. Um, and the beauty is, instead of having to set up and tear down like, you know, most places do when you're at an arena or a, or a stadium, we're in a production studio and we're going to be there for four months. So we get to set up, we get to build it, we get to create this really, really interesting production environment um, that I think will create a, an experience for fans visually um, that just hasn't been, you know, kind of seen before in, in, in the sport of football. It feels like there's kind of this NASCAR opportunity where they've got the traditional cameras, but they also, they've got a camera in every car. You could literally yep. be with them if you want to be, and you guys are putting cameras literally on the players. You could follow any matchup. You could have a star cam type of situation. You could do literally anything with this. Yeah, that's uh, look. We, we we talk about this a little bit as a, almost like a sports technology lab, right? We've got a lot of really interesting uh, strategic partners that uh, that are going to be coming into the league. Uh, we're going to be testing a lot of you know cutting edge tech and you know wearables and sensors. And we we announced a partnership with Wilson. We're using their connected football. And um, there's a there's just a whole lot of really interesting things that can be done when you centralize uh, a league. Um, and, and we think uh, you know not only from the content and the excitement of the game itself, but really from a business opportunity, um, you know, looking at how we can become the league that, you know, maybe not necessarily sends hundreds of players up to the NFL, um, but we'd, you know, we'd love to be the developmental league for technology, right? Where we've got a, a fan base that is, you know, hungry, that's young, that's looking for kind of new ways to engage and, 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 uh, and new data to, to look at and digest. Um, and, and hopefully we'll we'll be able to kind of lead the pack and, and, and then send some of that stuff up to the big boys um, where uh, they can use it uh, in the bigger leagues. That all sounds really cool. So Rob Faruti is the CEO of the Fan Controlled Football League. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot. Up next, Dustin Gauker on the idea of an integrity fee. This is the Future Sport Podcast.
let's take a minute here to thank our friends at 3 Advance. These guys are ranked one of the nation's top app developers, but that's not all. They've helped grow a bunch of sports tech startups like Team Builder, T-Box Tour, and In-Game Fantasy. But they're also experts in user experience, cloud APIs, and artificial intelligence. So if you're looking for a dev partner to bring your future sport tech to life, look these guys up. Go to 3advance.com. They're the team to make it happen. At Advance, you will. That's the number 3advance.com. And tell them Future Sport sent you. Now that sports gambling is a state's rights issue, it will be within the rights of those who win the contracts to determine what piece of that pie is gonna go back to the leagues for what many deem with the word integrity. Dustin Gauker from Legal Sports Report is here and Sport Radar has become a partner with the leagues and they want a percentage, right? Yeah, they are, well, they actually have a deal that allows them to provide data to sports book operators around the country and internationally and they're doing that on behalf of the NFL. Um, the most recent news is that they're going to operators and saying, if you want to use our you know, our feed for official data that's coming from the NFL, you have to pay X amount to do that. So, yeah, this is you know this is something we're seeing with a lot of leagues and a lot of uh, as in the feeling out process of legal sports betting in the United States. We're just seeing you know seeing how the commercially operated things work and how how leagues and sports books and states all interact. So this is the latest uh, example of that. So Sport Radar or the leagues, if they are going to go back and say this is official data, how do they differentiate it from however data is being generated by others? So, yeah, you're getting, uh, you know, when, they, when the NFL says, okay, here, a touchdown was scored, you're, you know, in theory, you're getting that as fast as you possibly can because you're, if you're watching it on TV or, or, or getting it through any other feed, there's, there's going to be some kind of latency there. So they do have an argument that this is really happening fast, and you know, this is important in, in the world of online betting where you have betting while games are going on, not just in, in front of the games, betting on point spreads and things like that. If you want to bet on outcomes in the middle of the game and have odds and do that in the fastest way possible, then you know, there's an argument for this official data and getting it directly from the leagues and the data partner, which is here, Sport Radar. Um, do you believe they have any real leverage in this? They do kind of. Like most of the betting right now, you know, Nevada historically has been pre-game betting. Like I said, it's uh, betting on spreads, betting on money lines, betting on futures. So you don't really need official data for that. But what you do need it for is that live betting aspect. If you want to have people on your app, um, betting on your app and saying, okay, we, we need to have the best odds and have the best, you know, up-to-date and being as fast as possible, then that's a pretty compelling uh, offer because those, those few seconds uh, between you getting it from a TV feed and getting it uh, directly from a data feed from the NFL, that could be meaningful. Now, you know, I don't have insight into exactly how that works and how quickly it's happening and how, and how valuable it is, but there's going to be some sports book operators that say, yes, this is a valuable thing for us as we get our, uh, get our uh, sports books up and running and uh, increasingly uh, using live betting to do that. There, there is a possibility to a federal mandate. Um, there's, there's bipartisan support. Senators Chuck Schumer and Mitt Romney are behind a bill that, if it were to be introduced, it would potentially institute what they're calling this integrity fee. I, I wonder if you think that that's really going to happen. I don't find it very realistic that uh, Congress is going to get involved. Uh, you know, they, there's no bill yet. If they don't get a bill through this year, next year is an election year. 
Uh, I just don't think it's terribly likely. Gambling has been traditionally uh, something that's been handed over to the states to say whether you want to do it, how you want to do it. We already have, uh, I believe, 18 states that have passed some sort of law coming in retroactively and, and telling states, oh, you have to follow these federal guidelines. It's going to be a tough sell you know, for anybody who's a proponent of states' rights and, and what's gone on in the past in, in gambling. So I don't think it's super likely, but, you know, stranger things are happening. NFL and the other leagues do have some, some mojo when it comes to, to getting something done in Congress that they really, really want to. I mean, listen, I, like, I understand there's lobbying and contributions that get behind something like this if it were to, to be able to go through. But I will say this on its face, and I wonder if you agree with this, that when the NFL or another league comes back and says, look, we do feel like we need to put more safeguards into ensuring the integrity of our games. And that is going to cost us. And to, so to ensure these games are on the up and up as much as possible, you need to help us a little bit here. And, and I agree with them to some degree about that. Yeah, you can make that argument for sure. There's uh, The other side of the coin is that this is not like betting is new on the NFL. You and I could go to any number of offshore sports books and place bets. So the only thing that's changing is maybe the volume of, of betting with the, the advent of legal sports betting. So there's been you know tons of tons of wagering already going on in the NFL. If you if, if the NFL wasn't paying attention to to betting on on its games before, it's certainly you know that, that's probably a mistake. I don't and I don't believe that's the case. They they've taken it seriously even before this. So um, yeah, when you say you have to give them money to do it, I don't know. I don't th- I think that's not necessarily necessarily the truth. But you know that's an argument that can be made, and that, that certainly. The leagues are making in state houses and in, in Congress right now. We'll see how it plays out. It's going to be interesting as, as all these laws continue to change around the country. Dustin Galker from Legal Sports Report. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. That will do it for us this week. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com.